Okay, just a quick disclaimer before we get into the episode. Uh, so I re- just realized um, I never posted the jazz game um, after post or after recording it. So I am I have decided to just combine the uh, um, jazz game and the Bulls game together. So if you're wondering why the transition um, is a bit weird, about 40 minutes in, you're gonna notice you, we're gonna go into com- you know one of the commercial breaks. And then it's going to come back and it's going to be kind of a weird transition. And the reason why is because that wasn't supposed to be in one episode. There were supposed to be two separate episodes. And I just realized that I forgot to post our uh, post-game reaction to the Jazz game. So, um, yeah, just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. And and uh, I guess good news, um, I we are returning to a more normal schedule where we are likely to be able to post a... Uh, post game review after every game and hopefully on the same night um if not not the next morning or the next day um i've got finally kind of gotten my affairs in order so i should be able to watch every game um like basically like how i've done most of the season and should be able to post some sort of reaction afterwards so yeah if you guys enjoyed those um post game reactions right like basically freshly like after the game um, you're in luck. Um, I am now uh, more available. Um, had some had some um, had some scheduling conflicts. Um, you know, just coming up like coming up lately, but those have been more or less resolved, and I can go back to the regularly scheduled uh, posting schedule. So, um, Fong will be his usual self. Um, he'll be free whenever he's free. He is a busy boy, and that will continue. So, all right, enjoy the episode. Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 173 of Sack Kings Therapy. We are coming to you after the Kings lose in Utah against you against the Jazz. There we go. Why did I why did I choke up on words on that? That was weird. Anyway, here's Fall. Um uh, Yeah, hello. Uh, so yes, the Kings lose 134 to 125. It was a very kind of high-scoring game. De'Aaron came out firing, 20 points in the first quarter, and but and the Jazz just chucked threes, and they chucked more threes, and they and you know just enough of them go went in to you know basically keep the Kings at bay, and they take this game. Yeah, pretty much, and it felt like it's just pretty much a Jordan Carson and Donovan Mitchell uh, dominant game along with some bogey. Yeah, not, now that's not the bogey we're all thinking of. This is Boyan Bogdanovich, so mm-hmm. I don't like that he gets called bogey. Bogey is reserved for our bogey, but uh, he's not here anymore, anymore anyways. But anyways, yes, so it was basically a lot of Jordan Clarkson. There's some Donovan Mitchells, you know, in there. You know, he did his thing. And um, Bogdanovich put in, like, some really crucial buckets in the fourth to really put the game away. Or, like, the, the ones that kind of started the avalanche. Avalanche, But, yes, it was all about Jordan Clarkson. Here's the stat line. 45 points and two assists. And a, <laughs> and a block. Let, let, let's, get, let, let's, get, let's get credit for the block. He is out there to get buckets. And in this game, he got buckets. 
you know, seven for 13 from three, 15 for 21 overall with eight free throws. Like, yes, he was an absolute human flamethrower. I remember in the first, like, at least two games, I don't remember what happened in the third, but he basically got locked up by Davion Mitchell in those early, in those games early in the season. And he was kind of bound to kind of like break out and boy, did he. Yeah, pretty much scored 45 points out of the 57 bench points that the Utah Jazz had. Uh, man, yeah, he he was just he was just hitting stuff, regardless of whatever defense or you know. Sometimes we leave him open as well, but yeah, we tried our best against him, and he just kept on hitting. I mean, like there are like there are many shots where like you know he just sheds a guy and then just backs up to the three point line and just throws it up. It was his game. Like there, there's not not a lot the Kings could have done, like on on those shots. But there are many shots like where it's just a sign of you know the team defense just isn't there, and like he'll just drive. He'll just kind of like drive towards the rim, and he'll kind of just shoot over his man, but. You know, it just shows you that the Kings, like, team defense just isn't good at, hold, like, guarding certain guys. And Jordan Clarkson definitely fits that archetype. You know, if the team defense was a little better, he never would have gotten to his spots. He never would have gotten in rhythm. And, you know, maybe that could be the difference. But the Kings defense, it's not there. No, but, you know, I did notice that Darren tried in some ways uh, to, you know, do some defense. Uh in my opinion, his transition defense is still whack. Uh, you know, he still tried to strip guys and, you know, get some steals, but it's just uh, Jordan Carson and Donovan Mitchell just pretty much carried the game to the point where there was no looking back. Yeah, and you bring up, like, those two names. Let, let's put Bogey in there, too. Like, yeah. I just call them Bogey. I have sinned. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, but, like, th- those three were kind of the kind of the foundation, if you will. Like, those guys were the three that kind of carried them to the win. And also, let's let's shout out Hassan Whiteside. Kings legend Hassan Whiteside. 12 points, 21 rebounds. And we'll, we'll bring up the rebounding a little bit later. But, mm-hmm. like... He, you know, he, he was like Hassan was good this game. Like he wasn't, like he was. He didn't really stand out that much. Like you know, he wasn't great on defense by any means, but like he definitely did. You know, play his role for the most part. Which you know, it's a lot. It's a lot different than what what he did on the Kings. And you know, good for him. Um, but yes, they, so you have those four guys that were ba- were basically like the guys that won the that basically kind of carried the Jazz to the win. And then you look on the Kings' side. You have uh, De'Aaron Fox, 41 points, 11 assists, and three rebounds. But then you look at the next guy, and it's Harrison Barnes with only 18 points on 12 shots. Yeah. Again, you know, it's the usual Harrison Barnes game where he shoots the average amount of, you know, around that area of field goals. And, you know... Like we always say, we wish we see more of him, but it's not really his game. It just isn't. And, you know, it, like, that's the thing about, like, you just look at this team. Like, Trey Lyles is the next guy with 13 points, and then da- Davion had 14, and Metsu at 12. Like, surprise, some 12 really, like, nice points that actually could have, like, you know, led the Kings to the win, but, you know, the Jazz kept, just kept scoring. But, 
Like that's the that's the thing about like Harrison Barnes as your second or third option. Like he just needs to take more shots. And but we've we've like we've had enough of sample size. It's just not what he's gonna do. And you know that kind of just that just kind of proves to you if you still need evidence for whatever reason that you know he's just not really a third option. He's not the second option by any means. He's not really a, a third option either. And probably if you move him to the fourth option, like that's probably his best spot. He still can do what he does, but this team needs more from him now because we didn't have Sabonis uh, who was out this game due to personal reasons. But my, my the point I'm trying to make is that Fox just didn't have a lot of support. He did his thing. Like, you know, he like one thing I do love about like this new version of Fox, he takes a lot of shots. Like granted, you know, 15, 15 for 32, like a little bit under uh under 50%. But he was he was attacking. I wish he would settle for less threes. He he went five for eleven this game, which was fine. He started out four for five, I think, but ended up five for eleven. But like the aggression is there. He looks like an absolute superstar, but he needs more help. And without some bonus, like he, you know, Harrison Barn needs to needs to step up, but he just hasn't. Yeah, between, you know, Fox and Barnes, I mean, I wish there were other guys that I would trust uh, shooting three because for Fox shooting 11 threes, I mean, it's fine that he made five for 11, but it's still a little too much for my comfort, you know? To be fair, he doesn't shoot that many. This is an anomaly, like, with the threes because, like, he was feeling it and probably should have calmed down a little bit, a little bit later on. But, you know, he was feeling it in this game. But but yeah, your your point stands. Other than him, so Harrison Barnes hit two threes. The rest of the teams, okay, Davion hit two, but the rest of the team, no one hit more than one. That's a mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, and you know, hopefully some of these guys uh, get back into rhythm. Like, oh, actually, now that I'm looking at the bot score, I haven't seen much of Holiday. Uh, I don't remember what happened with him. Uh, Dante. Hopefully by next season we'll see more from him because you know he he is really I guess one of our top four best <laughs> three point shooters. We we just need more from our supporting cast in terms of uh, hitting uh, their shots, pretty much. And yeah, unfortunately that's kind of where the issues lie. Uh, Justin Holiday had an illness, that's why he was not uh, playing. Oh, he didn't yeah. play in the second half, and yeah, only nine minutes this game. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, this this team needs more shooting, and like even with Justin Holiday, like he's not been hitting three, so like he he's not the guy you can rely on. Dante Divincenzo all over the place, mostly bad on offense, and you know. Like Davion is always up or down. Um, Metu, not a guy you want shoot, shooting that many threes, anyways. Mo Harkless. Basically, the idea is that we don't have space, and that is going to need to be addressed in the offseason. I'm not sure how. Like J- John Collins is the name I keep hearing. I don't know if you can really get him without sacrificing a lot, which will include Barnes, I believe. I, I even tried uh, getting Pascal Siakam on this team. It's going to be really fucking hard to do that without. It actually, actually, it's basically impossible to do it without bars, basically. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's gonna, they're gonna need to find a way to upgrade just the shooting, the, the specifically in the two and the four position. And yeah, like, then that's kind of, that was the difference in this game because guess what? The two, everyone on the, on the Jazz can shoot. Like, their, their entire offense. Now, granted, Rudy Gobert was out this game, Mike Conley was out, but like, their offense is, 
you know, space the floor with four guys with Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson or even Boyan attacking with, you know, four other shooters and a big man rolling down to the rim. That's kind of what the Kings should model their offense through. Although like with Sabonis, you don't really, and Fox, you have two non-shooters out there or like two guys that aren't really threats from the outside. But like you can run some sort of offense to that degree, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, if only, but it is what it is. And, you know, if, if Rudy was there, it, it would have hindered a lot of Fox's performance uh, within the paint. So, yeah, <laughs> other than that, it's like we would have to uh, rely more of the perimeter shooting, which not really the game today for the Kings. No, it was, and it's not been the Kings' game for a while, unfortunately. They, they mm-hmm. just don't have the shooting. Like, again, you take away like five, five of De'Aaron's threes, or you take away De'Aaron's threes. The Kings are what? The Kings are eight for eight for 22. Like, you're only making eight threes. Like, that's not enough threes. Like, especially in a game where the Jazz hit 16. Like, it's hard enough, like, the Kings, like, they don't have, like, a great defense. They let guys get to the paint too easily. And, like, they're getting outscored from the three-point line basically every single loss in one way or the other. And, again, it's going to need to be addressed um, in, in the offseason. We'll see how Monty McNair works his magic this time. Um, wanted to quickly bring up uh, Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes was back this game. He was actually, I thought he was good. What, what did you think? Yeah, I thought he was fine uh, starting when he uh, came out. Uh, you know, he did miss a couple of his, you know, famous push shot, hit hook shot. I don't know. Floater <laughs> you know, thingy. Yeah, his little shot. Uh, he was doing fine. And, you know, he was, oh, well, geez, looking at the rebounds. He, I mean, he was leading a rebounder. Uh, but sadly, he was taken out. Yeah, the leading rebounder with six rebounds. I like, know. That's how, like, it, it, you know, I, I, I don't even mean to crap. Like, Rashad was good this game. And however, I, I got I to gotta talk about Damian Jones. Two total rebounds in 24 minutes, 25 minutes, even worse. And there was one rebound in the fourth. And where he's there for the offensive rebound, and it just goes through his hands. And my entire time, I'm thinking, what in the hell happened to his hands? And unfortunately, <laughs> that led to a, a, a Bogdanovich dagger three that basically ended the game. And it's just, it, it really makes me miss Sabonis because there were multiple moments where, you know, either like, either like Damian couldn't box out Hassan or he just misses an offensive rebound where I just say, if Sabonis was there, that ball is going to Sabonis and he is putting it back up. And it's just, like granted like Damian is Damian's a backup big like there no one's no one's fooled by that like that's what he is he's not really a starting big but man just some of the some of the things that he just does I'm just like oh man <laughs> that's bad yeah I mean he tried his best I mean there was a few times where he get, did get uh, a couple tips uh, to you know our players which attributed to something I guess but under that, yeah, we really didn't have a guy to really rebound, especially against uh, a song white side, which, man, he he just went off in terms of rebounds. And this is the thing where, like, it, I he is the king of stat sheet, like the 
like the numbers on the stat sheet doesn't match what's really happening on the court. Because if you watch him, sure, like, you know, 21 rebounds, that's really impressive. There were quite a few times where he's just, where I was looking at what in the hell is he doing out there? <laughs> like, talk about just like the, the eye test and the actual player is so vastly different. I've never seen a person, a player like that. But, anyways, you know, credit to him. Uh, he he was good this game. But yeah, uh, ultimately, like the, the Kings should have should have been able to take advantage of like Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley being out. But like you know, this. It's just one of those kinds of games where the other team doesn't miss. And also, I just want to bring up, so, like, James Ham brought up the fact, like, towards the end of the third quarter, like, the Kings were kind of letting letting this game get away. And he basically said in his notes, like, oh, the Kings are running out of gas. <laughs> How? You rested for three days. Jazz are on a second night of a back-to-back. How are you running out of gas? And... I don't ever want to hear anymore like that. Like when the king, when the kings are asked the question, "What kind of team are we?" Oh, we're a team that plays hard. No, you, you don't. I'm sorry. There's not enough of you that play hard enough. And if, and if you do play hard, it's without purpose, unfortunately. And like you can't like bring. You just can't look this out of sorts after three days off, and like mm-hmm. the, the team is on a second night of a back to back. You just can't. And you know. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe this is fixed next year when the Kings get more talent and you're able to hit more shots. And because you know, when you hit shots, you get more energy. So, like, maybe this gets fixed next year. Who knows? But like, don't give me the, don't give me that shit anymore about oh, we're a team that plays hard. I'm sorry. After this kind of game, no. I mean, granted, I've, I should have said this a long time ago, but like, no, you are not a team that plays hard all the time. It's not consistent, with you guys. And yeah, uh, you got your identity is that you are an inconsistent team. Yeah, the only person, or yeah, I should say person, that plays hard is Darren Fox, and he played, let's see, 41 minutes, which is a redonkulous amount of minutes, and he tried his best out there, for sure, and you can see in his box score, and man, I don't, uh, he played like what, the full first quarter, rested beginning of the second, came back, uh, you know, he tried to do what he could do uh, during the second, third quarter, but you know, he kind of slowed down at that point and pretty much played his hardest towards the end of the fourth. And that's pretty much it. Other than that, like he did his best. The rest of the team just needs to step up. I'll say, I'll say this though: like it's not. I don't think it's like <clears throat> individually. I don't think it's an issue. Like, these guys try to play hard. Chimezi Metsu, they play hard. Damian Jones, they play hard. As you mentioned, De'Aaron Flox plays hard. Like, Trey Lyles, they play hard. Like, everyone, I, I, I think, like, a lot of these guys play hard. But for whatever reason, as a team, it just doesn't come together. I don't mm. know why, what it is. And we'll see if this gets fixed next year. Like, with just better players overall, you know. But ultimately, just a bit of a deflating loss. But, hey, like, as I saw someone, someone mention on Twitter, like, you get a, a brilliant game where De'Aaron Fox looks like a superstar, and you know you improve you. But with every loss, you improve your lottery odds. Even though apparently uh, today the Pacers have officially won more games than the Kings after the trade, it's despite us quote unquote making a win now move, and you know the Pacers clearly taking a, taking a step back. So, but ultimately, I don't really care because I'm on Team Tank at this point, and. 
you know, like you get a you get a fun performance from De'Aaron Fox like this, and you know you improve your lottery odds a little bit. I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, a few more things before we end this episode. You mentioned you wanted to talk about uh, Popovich being the all-time leader in coaching wins now. Oh yeah, and to be honest, I already forgot the day that he uh, it was received that. Yesterday, I believe. He... No, 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 no. Wait, two days ago. So it'll be Thursday. I I, I just had the tweet up. Hold on. March 11th, so it's, I believe that's Tuesday or yesterday. I mean, yeah, yes. Today is Saturday. Oh, <laughs> By the way. oh yeah, oh yeah, because they blew they blew the our Spurs came back against the Jazz, ironically, um, just a few days ago. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Congrats to him. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if uh, he'll ever retire because, geez, he how old is he? I think one of these days he's gonna retire because, like, at some point, I just think you. You can't do this anymore, right? I, I think it's coming soon. And speaking about retirements, Coach K, uh, you know, retiring from Duke. What do you think of that? I don't watch college basketball. I don't, me neither. It's, and if you guys how, haven't How heard, about that Paolo Benakiro guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. You have not watched a single minute. I guarantee no. you. But sure. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah, Coach K. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. that that guy. Yeah, this is. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't care less. <laughs> I couldn't. I I get it. I get why he's like you know iconic, but I've never really cared that much about college basketball. And you know, it's Duke. It's not. They're not exactly like likable. Like let's be honest, they're they're kind of the perfect villain team. So I've never really had that much love. And Coach K, you know, good coach and all. Eh. Yeah, I mean, multiple time Olympian as a coach. I don't know how many Final Fours he's been to. So, congrats to him. <laughs> yeah, Fong, big, uh, big Coach K fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, big, big fan. You know, one of these days he will learn about him. Um, anyways, yeah, Coach Gate of retiring. You know what? You've had an amazing run. He he's definitely he's definitely a good coach. Like from what I've heard, like those Olympic co- uh, those Olympic players, they they always bring up like Coach K is the real deal. You know, good on him. He's had a great career. Um, it's I mean, it's I'm the, I just don't watch enough college basketball to really know. But like, sure, you know, sure, I guess like it's he's an icon, and it's it's a sad day that he's retiring. Oh yeah. So, oh, going back to the Kings, I have a question. What is your question? So, looking at our roster now, do you think we'll find a system? Because I remember you were mentioning uh, kind of like how we play as quote unquote a jazz band. Now, are you expecting to see a not like what was the other band that you mentioned not a jazz band but orchestra yeah so and for those of you that don't that don't, that you don't, you guys don't know so apparently it's not it's not so much of a running joke but it's a thing within the uh sacramento media community where back in the day i believe it was mike malone he brought up something along the lines of 
along the lines of, uh, so, you know, we want to run a jazz band in that it's free flowing. There's no like, there's no one calling plays. It's just free flowing, read and react, quote unquote. And, you know, you don't need, it's not like an orchestra where you have one guy basically you know, the, what was it, the orchestra, the, the one with the wand or the stick that, you know, controls the orchestra. He did basically, and it was a, it was a Vivek message basically saying that he wants to play, um, you know, a free flowing offense. And the idea it basically, unfortunately, like this year was when I learned about it was when uh, Monty did that interview with Sam Amick. And ironically, that was right when the, when the Kings start to fall apart. I think there were five and five at the time. And basically, it's a, it's a bit of a running joke and something that makes uh, like guys like James Ham roll their eyes. It's like, why why do we keep hearing this garbage? Like now we're hearing like Monty say it. And like, basically, it's not a good thing when you hear someone in Sacramento say that because it, it's coming from upstairs, specifically Vivek, because that's what he wants. And he's, I guess, spreading that message over to you know, over to his um, his front office and the coaching staff. Uh, yeah. So going back to the question, do you think we'll ever find a system for these players to have some sort of identity? Because it seems like, you know, our quote unquote shooters and, you know, help like Trey Wiles, Dante, uh, sometimes Jabal. Chemezi, sometimes Lamb, and at some point Stavion, they they always try to rush the ball down the court and try to hit something, and it's usually a very bad shot or something that you know it, we could have done something else uh, other than trying hitting a free, and this is kind of deteriorating their, I guess, three point uh, shots, and I feel like I. I'm not going to quote this, but I'm pretty sure some of these guys are pretty good, uh, whatchamacallit, catch and shoot kind of guys or, you know, dribble off the penetration kind of guys. But it's like, I don't see it working out in this type of uh, team and in this scenario. So I, I was wondering, do you think uh, we'll find some sort of system to, you know, actually play rather than having to rely on something uh, like that, that quote-unquote jazz band? I mean, I want to say yes. Like, be, <clears throat> here's the thing about coaching. Like, you you want to be, you know, there's a lot of coaches in college specifically. Like, they have an offense, and the players will run that offense. It doesn't matter who's on the team. They, the like, the offense is the one that dictates what the players do. But in the NBA, at least when you have stars, when you have really good players, you build that offense around those players. And this is the thing where I kind of want to see what things look like when, it, you know, Alvin is likely not going to come back. Like, I kind of want to see what it looks like without Alvin. Because the last two years have been, like, I know Luke was the coach, but Alvin is the offensive coordinator. And I assume, and like, they, it's been talked about, this is his offense. Like, it's, you know, spread the floor and just have, and just basically five out offense. Spread the floor, have one screener, like, you know, screen with the ball and then, you know, create from there. Unfortunately, for the past two years, you have not had, had enough shooters to really do that. Well, you've had Buddy Heal, but you don't. You also, on the other end of it, is you, you don't really have the 
the players with the IQ to really run that kind of offense, ironically. And, like, I think ultimately it all starts with getting better talent. Because once you get better talent, you can create an offense that, you know, allows, that puts the right guys in the right positions to take shots or make decisions. And I think it all, I think it all starts with that. I think there is a system that can work, but it starts with getting better players. And, you know, the pieces are in place. It's just, you might need one or two more to connect everything, to make everything work. Mm -hmm. So are you taking... In my mind, in my opinion, in the offseason, I'm looking for potentially a wing that can play make as well, uh, coming off the bench. What do you think? That's a tall ask. <laughs> you, you yeah. Know, well, the, the, <laughs> the reality is, like, those guys are hard to find is the problem. Like, you know, a wing that could play make. Well, he's like, we have Josh Jackson. Like, he can play make a little bit, but... Not really good at he's not really good at anything else <laughs> is the problem. So that's the reason why he doesn't get to play. Um, it, well, I'll well to see. I am just all for getting something like John Collins. I think would work beautifully if like that's an option. But you know, it's gonna it's gonna take something to get something, and you're probably saying goodbye to Harrison Barnes in that situation. And I don't know how I feel about that. So yeah. Um. You know, uh, I think I think I think it can. I think you can create a system um, that works for everyone. But the system right now, which clearly had like guys like Dante have been told, like um, Divincenzo, have, or yeah, yeah, Dante has have been told, Jeremy Lamb, um, you know, Terrence Davis when he first came here as well, like and also uh, Justin Holiday is that take the first shot. Like if you if you have if you think you have a good look, take that shot immediately like that's and then guess what a lot of these guys aren't good enough to make those shots and these just end up being long contested threes that lead to run outs and that's the thing I, where I talk about like shot IQ and just you know everything else like I, it's, it just doesn't work like you need high IQ players to run this kind of system that Alvin Alvin runs and we just don't have the players to really run it and that he, he should have like you know built a better system but you know, it is what it is. Granted, like with with the addition of Sabonis, he I have seen him make wrinkles to it, so he can adapt. But honestly, I, I think it's time for to have like another coach, another voice in the room. That's not the yeah. fact. Yeah, which is too bad. But yeah, it's true. We do need another coach in a different offensive uh, scheming in sort of ways, because I could see these players play well in a different scheme it's just the way they play now doesn't look like it's working at all and i don't see it working at all if we keep on playing this way and if we do keep alvin for the next season as well yeah you just don't want guys like team vincenzo taking the kinds of threes he's taking he's just not good enough to make them Jeremy Lamb, even to a certain degree, took an awful like contested three like late in the fourth, like in the middle of the fourth quarter. Like they, this, they have definitely been told to take those shots, and I get it. Like you know, just sometimes just get them up, and the percentages say you're gonna make some of them, but they're just not good shot. Sometimes you just gotta call a spade a spade, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I you know I have a question for you too but it's not relating to uh, basketball because uh, I'm, 
because th this is, I don't know, I, I just found this very interesting. So Jeff Hardy made his AEW debut. Uh-huh, yeah. Are you excited for Jeff Hardy in AEW? Uh, I don't know. Is he going to be uh, sold or like, you know, is he not going to be part of uh, whatever Matt Hardy's doing? He is going to be with Matt Hardy. Oh, okay. Uh, that'd be... It'd be interesting, but at the same time, I'm not gonna lie. I I love Jeff Hardy. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But oh, really? Okay. One of yeah. It's just that you know it's it's been a while. I don't know what other creative stuff he could do. We'll see what hap what he does in AEW. Uh, but whatever he did with uh you know Matt Hardy with the um what do they call it i mean the, the, the broken and, the broken universe yeah the broken stuff was really really great like you know matt hardy had the mind jeff hardy had the you know the wrestling in-ring skills so we'll see where it goes uh are they still doing that gimmick by the way there's rumors of them planning on doing it yes mm. i would say it probably i, I would be a little excited but mm. I feel like there uh, there should be something else. I don't know why. Something on the tip of my tongue is saying that they should do something different. Um. Okay. I'm not gonna ask you what you what you mean by different, but yeah. Um. I guess. I guess. Sorry to kind of like spoil the party. I could not have given less of a shit. <laughs> I could not possibly. Like I. Basically, I thought I didn't think I've never really liked Jeff Hardy just because I've always been kind of confused about the Hardys to begin with. I, granted, I didn't grow up in the Attitude Era, so like that was when they were you know you know white hot, like mm -hmm. you know them and TLC two, TLC one. I get that part, but ever since then, I've never really been into either one of them. And also in elementary school, I had a buddy at the time; he loved Jeff Hardy, and mm -hmm. that kind of, that kind of made me hate Jeff Hardy. I'm just like I don't get it. Oh, I see. But yep. I, I, well, I didn't like him e even back in during his main event run in the what the late the before the t 2010s, like right before he went to TNA. I see. Well, during that party, I mean, he he was in a pretty bad uh, time of his life with all the you know addictions and whatnot. But you know, good for him for cleaning up and. Actually, I don't know. How, has he cleaned up fully? Uh, he's he's been he's been okay. He's had some relapses, but like they've not been bad. I don't feel. I'll just say that. Yeah, and you know he's also kind of coming to age, and I don't know how much his uh, you know in ring skills have uh, deteriorated over the years. But yeah, we'll see him get a second chance, I guess. Or how, I mean, this is probably his fifth chance at this point. Uh, but other than that, I don't think he's going to be too high in the card, in my opinion. He might be stuck in the mid card at this. I at highly point. doubt he'll get into the world title picture. Yeah, I don't see no. it. Um, yeah. But to continue my Jeff Hardy rant, I guess this is probably about blasphemous to some people. I'm sorry, I'm I'm like destroying, you know, your childhood. But like the reality is, I was I've not been a fan since like since forever. I don't think I was ever a fan. And you know, like 
the the fact of the matter is like I I wasn't that into the broken universe stuff. I'm not I'm not a big fan of Matt Hardy either. Like I didn't hmm. I, I I actually I've kind of I've soured on him since like the Lita stuff. He he kind of won me back a little bit with the uh broken universe stuff. Um it was cool for a while, but then the more I kind of watched it, the more I'm just like eh, not really that into this. But like so I, I'm, I've never really been that big into the Hardy Boy stuff. It was it was really cool when they returned it. I think it was WrestleMania 32. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. But like you you say you, you talked about how like you know Jeff's wrestling ability. Like sure he was really good for his time, but like you know his his wrestling skills have deteriorated. Although he's still pretty good. But like with the with the with the amount of crazy good wrestlers that exist within the wrestling world now, he's very he does not stand out to me at all. So, yeah, and it's just one of those things. Like I'm not I like CM Punk does not stand out to me at all. Oh no, yeah. I, I like I'm at that point. Granted, like this is probably again this is blasphemous to a lot of people, but that's how I see it. And I I could. There were people that were so excited to see Jeff Hardy, like, because they were, you know, like, it, it was their favorite wrestler growing up, and they still love him. Like, some people were even talking about ejaculating when he when he debuted. And also, it was goofy as hell when he debuted. So, like, Matt is getting his ass beat. And, you know, the Hardy Boys music hits, because basically, the Hardy Boys music hits, and Jeff, like, runs runs down a little bit, starts posing on the ramp while his brother's getting his ass beat. <laughs> and then, and, you know, he's dancing, he's, and then he's posing, and it's just like, wow, priority. <laughs> Priorities <laughs> right there. But that, that was pretty funny, but I couldn't give half, I couldn't give less of a shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, at this point, it's probably more for whatever storyline they're going to create. And I'm hoping that Matt has some sort of a creative creative idea because you know, in my opinion, he has the kind of brains in terms of whatever uh, whatever they do. I guess now uh, because yeah, Matt Hardy's in ring skills. Uh, I don't know about how it is now, but they weren't that great before either. So, so here's the thing about so this is where I, I'll probably get in trouble. Like, guy, he. he I mean, like, what's so different about him than a guy like, say, Triple H, where they're very good fundamental wrestlers, very mm. like the Miz, very good fundamental wrestlers. You know, they take care of their guys. They're always in position, but they don't do anything flashy. Yeah. And it's just, it's always been like that. I'm, that's why I never really was into Matt Hardy, because like he has a very boring style, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. So I've, ne- I've, I've never been like he's still good for what he is, but like, eh. Yeah, I mean, during those times when I watched, I mean, not really many baby faces I liked at the time. I mean, there was Jeff, there was John Cena, of course. Um, I just remember back in those days, like when Jeff was right, I think it was like 08 and like 09. I I remember thinking like, man, Jeff is at the top now. This this company's going down the drain, but because like you know he's not he's not good on the mic, and like that is like one of the more important things to me because I love The Rock growing up, and The Rock was a great wrestler. Like mm-hmm. you talk about flashy, like he was flashy, but like what attracted me to him was his his mic skills, and Jeff was not a mic guy, so nope. yeah, that that's probably a lot of it. I mean, combined with Matt Hardy, well, at the time it wasn't the case but uh nowadays hopefully i mean matt has 
probably better mic skills than Jeff, and Jeff has the flashiness. Uh, other than that, I mean, the only really one storyline I remember from that era was, let's see, Jeff. I remember the CM Punk. That was actually good stuff. Like looking back, mm-hmm. uh, I know, I know you had one with Edge too. That was no, no, he had one with Randy yeah. Warden. That was okay i guess yeah well what was the year when matt turned on heart uh jeff i, I forgot what i know it was is. wrestlemania 25 i don't remember what year that is i yeah. want to say that was 09 mm. yeah that kind of went i don't i don't even know where that was going to be honest and then a few months later they were all good i know yeah and dur- <laughs> during that program like the real life thing what there was a real life event where i think jeff's house actually burned down and they, they actually yeah. worked it into the storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I think Jeff actually lost his dog in the fire. Oh. Yeah. And Matt Hardy, like, this is kayfabe. He didn't actually do it, but he basically said, "I, I." He basically said, "I set fire to your house and killed your and killed your dog." And then a few months later, they're all good. They're all good. It, it's cool. You know, we're brothers. It's good. Yeah, that was a, a wild time for the Hardys. Jeez. Yeah. So ultimately, not I'm not that excited about it. But I saw so much discussion about him. Like, sure, I get why, but I've not been into Jeff for a long time now. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I see. Sorry for ruining your guys' childhoods. I mean, <laughs> you know me. I'm probably not going to be watching but you know i've have been watching some old clips but you know nothing current at the moment okay well um that's gonna do it for our episode um yeah kings lose to the jazz unfortunately but hey better lottery odds you know a lot of people have been calling for that for years now so it's time and uh yeah, um, we'll probably come back to you guys. What, what's their next game? I I just had the schedule open. God damn it. Uh, Jeez. Uh, it is against... It Chicago. is against Chicago. Ooh. On Monday, 7 p.m. Pacific. And it's going to be a four-game homestand. And yeah, check this out. Chicago, Milwaukee, Boston, and Phoenix. Ooh, yeah. I forgot how tough our the rest of our schedule is. That does not sound pleasant yeah i'm expecting over four maybe win the chicago one because chicago is a bit he's a bit more vulnerable than you might think mm. well from what i expect from those four games i'm hoping to see uh some bonus back and hopefully we'll build more chemistry between uh our team with Sabonis in and yeah other than that i mean <laughs> i guess we're just gonna hope for uh a good off season yeah, I mean, I'm I'm expecting a one and four week. I'll just say that. Okay. With us, with us taking the Chicago one. Oh, you think we're gonna win against Chicago? That's the that's probably the e- quote unquote easy the 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 easiest game quote unquote. Ah, I see. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we shall see. A rare sighting. A rare time where we come to you after a win. Kings win uh, 112 to 103 in the Golden One Center in front of a very much split crowd, which surprised me. Uh, but uh, the Kings managed to play some good defense. They rebounded well. They made their free throws and managed to get, 
pull this one out in the Golden One Center. So with me to talk about it, of course, is Vong. Hello. So overall, I thought this game was fun, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's pretty very consistent quarter by quarter. Uh, just a few caveats, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it's very fun uh, basketball pretty much every single quarter. No no problems from me, to be honest. Well, I do I do have a bit of a problem with how the Kings perform because they, uh, once again, were up 20 at halftime. <laughs> yeah. And the lead slowly and slowly chipped away. Yeah, pretty much to single digits, close to, I believe, like, what, one or three points. <laughs> I believe, yeah, I believe the closest they ever got was three, uh, like, towards the end of the fourth. And, like, sure, like, they pulled this one out. They play some great defense. They, re- like, Sabonis was getting pissed off at the guards for not rebounding. And guess what? Harrison Barnes decided to say, fuck it, I'll do, I'll do it for them. And, you know, he decides to get some rebounds. Trey Lyles got some rebounds. And, and then on the defensive end, Harrison Barnes led the way by, you know, taking up De- DeMar DeRozan and really, really doing his best to kind of, you know, stop him and stop him, like, especially in the fourth quarter. And then De'Aaron Fox handled handled the offense very well. And then Dante was was basically just causing havoc all over the court. Like, it was a good overall team effort. And it's good to see everyone be able to chip in and uh, overall a really good win for the Kings. Yeah, probably one of the more fun games in a while. I don't know. <laughs> What'd you say? It definitely well, because we got the win, yes. But yeah. again, like that that part, you know, where the game got really close, me and you were saying it, we've seen this movie before. Here we go. <laughs> like, and it looked bad for a bit. It really did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for a bit. But, you know, they fought that hard and that's what made it so fun. Yeah. So um, let, let, let's talk about some of the players. De'Aaron Fox still just all, just every game he plays now, he just looks like a damn superstar. For 34 points tonight, six assists, six rebounds. Just, you know, is the absolute go-to scorer for, for this team. He's basically, he's been so good since coming back from that ankle injury, basically since the new year. Like he, he really does look like, Base, like this is what we were hoping for him right when he came into the season but like because he had that bad start those those bad first two months it's unfortunately tainted his entire season but make no mistake he's had an incredible 2022 oh yeah for sure uh i mean you know he's averaging what now 35 points since no not not since all-star break but you know uh, in the last five games now, I remember seeing the stats. It was like averaging almost 35 uh, somewhat points, 53% from the field goal and 52% from the three. Now that's uh, something I'm pretty impressed about. So he, yeah, he's been shooting very well from three. In this game, he shot okay, three for eight. And like, it's becoming a weapon where the team, where like guys aren't as willing to go under the screen the, the way they used to, at least in this game, even though like, man, Caruso like put him in a straight jacket at times, but like, you know, De'Aaron Fox still found ways. And because he's hitting that three and he's shooting it well, it's opening up a lot more of his game. And yeah, like he is just finding ways to look like the, an absolute star right now. It's unfortunate that the Kings are just aren't winning consistently like he was in consideration for player of the week last week but maybe if we get some wins this week maybe he'll be in the conversation 
yeah, maybe for next week <laughs> or maybe. this week. I don't know which well, week. Yeah, by the end of the week, yes. Yeah. Um, Sabonis, like he didn't have an amazing offensive game, like and like his assist total surprisingly only at four, but like it felt like he had an effect on the game. And me and you pointed this out when we were watching it, like when he was like posting up, what we wanted to see was guys cut guys set screens and then just move around the court, you know, start that little orchestra thing that, or the little jazz band thing that the team keeps talking about, but it didn't happen. And he was forced into some tough shots and some tough turnovers. Like that was the only complaint I had about Sabonis. He just didn't finish all that well this game. Yeah, I was, I want to say actually pretty much most of the game players weren't really moving around Sabonis as well as we wanted. Uh, I mean, there was some good opening, sure, but I mean, we gotta cut some more. <laughs> like, uh, all I see is guys just sitting around the perimeter, not doing much, and just watching Sabonis, you know, try to do his thing. But, you know, when he gets doubled or gets stuck in traffic, I mean, there's not really much he could do. He needs to help. Yeah, and like Sabonis is, is a good post score. He's not the dominant force that you know, Jokic is where you need to double or he is bullying his way to the rim. Like, honestly, I don't really love his post-up scoring all that much. And yeah, like you look at, you look down kind of the box score, like look at a guy like Harrison Barnes. I really thought he could have like cut a lot more because he ended up with only eight shots. He shot two for eight this game and, you know, a few more well-timed cuts, that's a few more points for him. And this game isn't anywhere close to what what it would have been or what it ended up being. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, not many shots from Harrison again. But you know, I mean, he played the best he uh, he really did for in defense. So there's that. And uh, if you look at the stat line, six six six. <laughs> yes, I do see that. Uh, kind of wish, yeah, like I said, see more cuts. Uh, you know. Matthew actually played 20 minutes. I, I was expecting to see, you know, the usual uh, baseline cut for Metu, but, you know, didn't get the chance to, I guess, this game. Yeah, and, but like, Metu was good this game. Like, mm-hmm. he took some ill-advised threes. Honestly, anytime he shoots a three, I'm like, eh. Like, it's an all right shot, but probably shouldn't take it. But, hey, he made he won two for three this game and was crucial in kind of keeping the lead kind of alive during the third quarter. And he brought a lot of energy this game. He had a mean alley-oop, like, from DiVincenzo. He, again, he is a guy that always cherishes his minutes. Any minutes he can get, like, he always plays as hard as he can and just does. And just, it, you feel him out there, for sure. And, mm-hmm. like, he really does, do, like, it really sucked that he had to go back to the bench and, you know, register DMPs, like, actual DMPs that, you know, Jalen Rose actually talks about. Like, <laughs> you know... He, he really, like, any opportunity he gets, he will always show out. Oh, yeah. Now, Rashawn Holmes, not much from him, but I thought he was, he was I thought he was all right this game. Wow, he ended up 0-1. and one. Okay. 0-1-1. Yeah. and one, But, like, I thought he was okay this game. Like, he wasn't, and he, he didn't really, like, sit, stand out. Like, he didn't really get that many chances to score. And let's talk about that. Like, we were seeing like um, Davion and and like De'Aaron and even to Vincenzo. They're always very, very willing to like pass it to uh, pass it to Sabonis on the roll. But for whatever reason, just do not do it against Holmes. I wonder what is up with that. 
Yeah, I guess we haven't set up any plays for homes. I don't know what's up with that either, but I mean, I'm hoping that we keep him, but most likely, he, yeah, I think you mentioned this before, he might be out of the team, sadly. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, and kind of a weird collateral is that is Damian Jones. Damian Jones didn't play this game. Granted, if you look at the lineup that the um, that um, the Bulls have, they don't really have a center, honestly. Like, you know, Tristan Thompson and Vucevic are the only two they play, and Sabonis is going to eat up most of the center minutes anyways. And there was no real, I guess, need for a guy like Rashawn and um, Damian. Although you could have used them a little bit because Tristan Thompson kind of went off for a little bit. Not went off, but he was impactful this game. Yeah, I mean, he, I want to say played 30, but I mean, he knows how to draw those types of fouls and, you know, anger the Kings into, uh, you know, having to rest, draw those type of fouls. Yeah, he's got, I mean, like, even when he was here, he always had, like, he knows tricks. He has those tricks to kind of get you an extra, like, a few extra possessions a game, one or two offensive rebounds a game. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't score this game, but you felt him out there. Like, if you watch the game, like, he was being very annoying in those non-Vooch minutes. Mm-hmm. And let, let's talk about Vooch. Like, he would have been the king's killer this game because... I mean, like, he is a legit stretch five, and he, I feel, is a little bit underappreciated, but ultimately, like, his defense is an issue. But, like, he's a guy that, like, legitimately spaces the floor and just, like, does all the things that a big man is supposed to do on offense. Like, he is wonderful. And unfortunately, with the, with how the Kings play, where they give up open threes, like, he kind of feasted on, on it for a little bit. Yeah, especially in the third quarter, uh, both him and Levine, well, Levine in terms of, you know, drawing the fouls, uh, but yeah, both him and Levine were just making that run to uh, come back and they were as close to like down for them uh, three points. And, you know, it's whatever, uh, sadly, there's nothing that we could do in terms of defensively against Vucevic at times, but I mean, we really tried our best in terms of defense. I mean, like, I'll be honest, a lot of the shots that Vooch shot, other than, like, those little hook shots that he took, like, near the rim, mm-hmm. like, a, a, like any other shot, I'm more or less fine with. I don't want him to shoot a wide-open three. He had some, like, you know, the old-school mid-range spot-up shots that I was like, okay, I'll give him that. That's fine. But, like, you know, Sabo- this is the great thing about just getting Sabonis now. You have an, a legit center to guard other legit centers. Like not even not even to shade Rashad, but you know Rashad is a smaller center. He can he at times could get bullied by guys like Valanciunas and Vucevic, and that is no longer the case anymore. You have a big strong um, center now that can hold up against these guys in the post. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk quickly about Demar. I thought the Kings did a really good job just kind of shading him, like kind of shadowing him most of the game. Like they double teamed him. Uh, out of pick and rolls and didn't and just literally made anyone else do anything with the ball like per- particularly they made it they basically like passed it to Vucevic and the rotation from DiVincenzo was there always to like you know to basically try and get a steal or just disrupt the rhythm of Vucevic and ultimately like DeMar kind of got going a little bit in the fourth but for most of the game like the Kings did a great job of just like not even letting DeMar get to his spots like they put Davion on him 
and just like was very physical with him. They put Barnes on him to close, and like Barnes is a very smart defender who knows how to, you know, who knows how to get get to certain spots to to like stop a guy from getting downhill. So, yeah, good on the Kings for able to you know limit DeRozan to you know a modest twenty one points. Yeah, I really thought he would have made a you know big toe on us too because. Uh... Didn't really expect. I, I really thought uh, someone else was gonna pick up Demar in terms of defense, other than uh, let's see, Barnes and uh, Davion. Yeah, Davion. But you know, yeah, surprisingly, I, I'm surprised he didn't hit many shots. To be honest, I mean, like it, the thing is with DeRozan, like even in the first game against uh, the Kings, he where he had 38. Most of the shots, I was like, fine, like you know, <laughs> you play good defense. And he's just too good when you let him get to his spot. And in this game, like they basically like shaded him the entire game, like just had a kind of guy in help and help position to like force the pass out and, you know, good on them. And the other guys, like they made some shots at times, but they, but the Bulls, I mean, but they didn't make enough threes this game. They actually, they, they actually only made 10 threes, which that actually matched the Kings uh, 10 threes. And that's one of the big reasons why the Kings were able to win. They just could not hit shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, they, they, if I remember correctly, I need, uh, I should have had this up before, but I'm pretty sure we scored uh, more points in the paint than the Chicago this game. And uh, only by six points, we scored 44 in the paint while Chicago only scored 38. I mean, we needed, we needed every single one of those just because like, you know it's they were they were close and like we needed we needed just about everything else they they had i think they had more free throws than us yeah they had more free throws than us and they actually ended up having more makes than us um, overall on less attempts too wow that's incredible uh, but wait no i'm reading this wrong no we no we had more shot attempts okay but like yeah ultimately like i thought i thought the kings did a really good job like shout out to divincenzo in the starting lineup he hit some big threes but his impact was mostly like on the rebounding front and also just causing absolute havoc on defense like i always talk about like you know like the kings are good at the at like the first rotation like when you know when let's just say when you double DeRozan there's a first rotation and then there's a second rotation like the Kings never really even get to the first rotation and even when they get to the first rotation that second one isn't there but but um DiVincenzo was just everywhere trying to get trying to get in the passing lane great hands just constantly disrupting just being a disrupting force on defense and I want to see more of this especially if you know Holiday is going to be out like for another for another few games I like this pairing with DiVincenzo in the starting and as a starter and he was able to hit shots this game oh yeah and uh same goes with Fox and Mitchell and surprisingly Metu geez uh they all had steals that pretty much you know disrupted the uh, Bulls uh offense flow and you know we got pretty nice transition points yeah and like again shout out to shout out to Davion like hit shots this game and you know played a stellar defense he was there were strike like basically anytime he was on the court he had no like break on defense like he was on DeRozan he was on Zach Levine he's on Kobe White basically anyone that is remotely a threat <laughs> remotely like you know can score he was always on him so like credit to him for playing good defense and contributing on offense mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, that's uh, that's basically all I have for the game. Overall, a very good win. And, you know, it shows you that the Kings can be something, but they really got to find a way to, like, weather these storms by, like, other teams. Because, it, I mean, it's the same movie almost every single time. Like, they let the team back in. And it's a lot of it is just, like, lack of, lack of attention to detail, like, on the offensive end that lead to, you know, bad transition offense or bad transition defense. And that lets the team get back into the game. They need to resolve these issues. Yeah, and this is, you know kind of a stepping stone game and you know the Chicago Bulls are you know a great team of course uh, no uh, I'm, so, I'm messing up my words but they're a great team and it's a great win and you know it, we're still taking our time to you know figure out this team and we'll see in the you know by the offseason where you know some of these guys end up and uh, you know how we'll play in the different kind of system and you know, hopefully, maybe a new coach. We'll we'll see in the off season. There's gonna there's gonna be it's gonna be a busy off season for sure for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's shift over. So this what this was this article. I want to talk about uh, the Sam Amick article that he published with Sabonis uh, about a week ago. So I just want to go over some quick points with you, and I just want to get your quick thoughts on it. So basically, mm-hmm. Sam Amick had an, had an interview with Sabonis where basically he talked about coming to the Kings, his situation in Indiana, and also a little bit on the Ukraine uh, war. We won't, I, I'm not planning on diving into that much unless you want to talk about it. But I want to focus on the basketball side. Uh, so a few points that I want to quickly talk about. Um, so apparently him and Miles Turner are cool and says that the media made more of it than like basically, they basically drummed up the issue than more more than it actually in reality that there was not much of an issue that was a horrific sense okay <laughs> yeah uh so wait what was your question uh, my, my question is I, okay so here, here's my question so like i've always thought like miles turner is the perfect fit next to sabonis and i always thought it was weird that it never that it just didn't work out mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why is because miles turner wants a bigger role on offense which you can agree or disagree if you should deserve it, but like, I mean, do you think there's a chance of a reunion possibly of getting, of like the King somehow getting Miles Turner and just reuniting these two? Because uh, honestly, I think they're a great fit next to each other. I don't know. Yeah, I really thought they were a great fit next to each other too. And I don't understand why they had to split both of them together, or both of them. But, uh, you know, if the Kings can get him, I don't know. We're going to have to give up something. I don't know. I'm not thinking Harrison Barnes, but what are you thinking in terms of price? Look, I'm not going to go that deep into it. Honestly, if you have to get rid of Harrison Barnes, I'm I'm out probably. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's like I've heard enough about about Miles Turner where I'm very skeptical, skeptical about just how good he is. Defensive wise, I think he is good, but like he's not like an absolute world breaker, I think, on that end. Yeah. And then the offensive end, he's a lot more limited from three than you might think. Like apparently him and Sabonis have like a similar amount of attempts from three and honestly shoot about the same percentage. Yeah. Now, if we, if we were to get uh, Miles Turner to the Kings, he is not going to be, you know, the primary uh, ball guy. He's probably going to be our, I want to say, third option. The four, uh, fourth, if we're being kind. But that was what, what he was mad about. 
like that was apparently the reason why it didn't work from what i hear so yeah sadly i would be a little skeptical about that because he i don't think he's the primary guy uh for especially our team but being you know that third fourth guy in my opinion is uh yeah pretty good i mean we gotta run our offense through fox first then sabonis with all the passing and stuff and playmaking then i mean miles turner i mean he he's that stretch five that would help us greatly but other than that like i i don't want to put all the effort uh for miles turner to be uh surrounding around his offense okay um yeah i agree i agree with everything you said um moving on to the next point he said so we talked about this on another episode before and basically he kind of elaborated a little bit further and talked about like his him getting ejected into the Knicks game it wasn't so much he was frustrated at the call but he was very frustrated that they just kept blowing leads and that was what led to the ejection like ultimately like i guess my question bless me okay um like my question is again it's like do you think he can he can survive the kings culture and is he going to be the leader that this that this kings team needs to kind of bring him out of that rut that's i feel like that's too early to say in terms of like him being that leader but yeah it's it's true i mean we've not been good uh, offensively or defensively in the past games before uh, you know this game and you know him seeing this way uh, I mean he made comments that he's happy to hear but I mean is he going to be happy for the next two years until the end of his contract who knows but I'm hoping that you know the changes we make uh, and you know the small stepping uh, stones that we uh, create, uh, developing you know the chemistry in this team would make uh, or you know change his mind and uh, make him want to stay here. <laughs> but other than that, I, I feel like it's too early to say. Yeah, we'll want we'll to see how that goes. I want, I want, really want to believe he is the guy because he's shown some leadership quality. Now he's not vocal, and that could be an issue. But like, ultimately, what's gonna lead to this team being good is having talent, and this, and getting Sabonis it was the first step, and it is the first step, mm-hmm. and you need to build off of that, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit more. Um, third point I want to go over. He says he's still living in a hotel, like he, uh, at the time of the article, which was about a week ago. He said he only had been in uh, SAC for basically five days because of just like because you know he, they basically we they basically been on the road so much he's not really had the time to actually even be in sac and this is the interesting part that i wanted to highlight he says he what you know in his time off when he has time he's going to look for houses to rent now the the, the my question is is do you think this is a some i guess a, a cause of concern that he's looking to rent and not buy or is this just like me thinking too much about it? Or maybe this is just normal for most players. Who knows? Uh, I think we're digging of it too much. I think uh, he needs more time to get acclimated to Sacramento. I mean, it is close to the off season and I don't know where their training camp's going to be at, but you know, most players have a lot of houses around the United States and most likely uh, it's probably going to be like, 
LA where he, his he's got, house his is. wife is from LA. So yeah, he's definitely going to be in LA during the summer. So yeah, I mean, I'd say renting or even, you know, just staying at the hotel till the end of the season then afterwards he could just go wherever because I I I doubt he cleaned out whatever stuff he had back in Indiana. Yeah, um I, I mean, I guess I'm just thinking a little bit too much, but like, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the, I mean, it's a, it's a smart choice to rent because again, like I've always mentioned, like you never know how things can change so quickly um, in the NBA. And especially with the, like the volatile situation that is the Sacramento Kings, like you never know. Like, like if you told me by, by like, you know, by the beginning of the season that Rashawn Holmes was probably going to be probably going to be persona non grata on this team like i would have called you crazy but look how quickly things change all of a sudden like you know halliburton's gone and rashawn is likely to be gone like man yeah things change so you know i i I mean ultimately i think this is like just reality setting in but you know there's something to kind of maybe read into just him like maybe he's not really he's not ready to go to be completely all in just yet hmm I see. Yeah. Like I said, I probably give it till uh, the end of next season to, you know, have a better understanding. Um, th- this just made me laugh, but like, so every, every, you know, every question that Sam, um, asked Sabonis, um, you know, he gave a very thoughtful answer. Like there's like enough, like at least like two or three sentences for each one. There's just, you know, a long thoughtful response for each question. Uh, when he was asked about how Arvidas Sabonis, his dad, felt felt about the move to Sacramento, two words: he's excited. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was just funny, which probably just means he does he either didn't give a shit or just did honestly doesn't like Sacramento all that much because like I doubt he knows much about Sacramento. Like he maybe played here, I, he probably did play here like a, a few times when he was. Portland, but like I just thought, I just thought it was funny. He's like, yeah, he's he's excited. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe if he spent some time here, he'll probably grow to like it. But you know, I, oh, he's oh just come, just come to a Kings game. Like you know, yeah. just, the fans will love you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's is he even in the U.S. at the moment? He's he, probably so in the article it says he's in Lithuania right now. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Because uh, I believe like they stayed, they stayed in Indiana until the trade deadline, just in case like they, just in case he was moved, and he ultimately was moved. And after he, after he was moved to SAC, they moved back to Lithuania. Oh, I see. Were they living in Indiana at first? Um, I, uh, I think so. They they were in Indiana like before the trade deadline. Oh, okay. I'm probably not gonna dig too deep into that, but. Okay, I mean, good, uh, good that they're supporting their son. So, um, he, so he kind of, cl- well, he kind of talks about like how he's uh, excited to build something here in SAC, and you know, he's he's happy to be here. But the, he, there's a there's a there's there's like a line that base that basically kind of, I, I get where he's coming from, and basically he just says everything has to go well for me to stay here, and he was very non-committal for the most part about mm-hmm. you know staying in SAC. He wants yeah. to see how it plays out first. Like that's the tone I got from the article, and you know, I guess I, I, he's he's smart to think that because you don't want to commit r- right away. And honestly, like you saying that you're going to stay here like right away, that's honestly not a smart idea. Because look at Kyrie in Boston, like 
preseason, he said he was going to stay with the team, and by the end of the season, he could not wait to get, he could not wait to go. And because guess what, things change. So yeah, ultimately, I think it's a smart thing that he's doing, but it it does kind of like it, it puts the pressure on the organization, and I'm a little nervous about the organization being able to uh, being able to keep up or like being able to maintain his happiness and his willingness to stay here i have my doubts i'll just say yeah i see well going off of the article again um you know he has been talking to monty and you know they have been talking about the off season uh so we'll see what monty can do to i guess increase the happiness and increase his chances of staying here because uh if this is if we're going to relate this to, you know, what happened with Weber, with how we, uh, you know, got a lot better, uh, more assets uh, to, you know, increase our chances for the playoffs, I think Sabonis will be willing to stay. And one of the reasons he's going to stay, as you mentioned, he's been talking to Monty, he's been talking to, uh, oh, I forgot his last name, but Wes... Uh, he, the assistant general manager. I forgot his last name, but yeah. But he's been talking to the general managers. He's been talking to the guys, and he says he says we're gonna have a big summer. The Kings are gonna have a big summer, and he thinks we're moving in the right direction. So they've talked about the off season. So there are. I I assume Monty has plans for the off season, and the the he has ideas on what he wants to do. So, so I told you before. Uh, I told you before we came on offline that I have really hot take that I want to just uh, that I want to just uh, have here and okay. just uh, tell tell you right now. Okay. And it's per and it's it's actually not because we just played them, but it's kind of a coincidence. But it it did come to my mind before that. Okay. I think the Kings are going to get Zach Levine this off season. Okay, how? <laughs> now, 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 now. I haven't figured out how the contracts are going to work. He's probably going to want something close to a max. And it will... So my... The... the um, I guess the backbone of this idea is that you are going to get rid of Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes is going to Chicago in this deal. And they're, the, the idea is that they need some sort of backup center. Like, they need one. Like, desperately. Uh-huh. Uh, and Rashad is, pro- is probably the best backup center on the market, honestly. And honestly, if you can talk yourself into it, like, I don't know what Philly would give to us. Like, Philly needs a Rashad Holmes type. Um, uh-huh. But, like, th- th- that would be kind of the start of it. And if, if you're wondering, why would Zach Levine come here? Now, I now I don't have scientific breakdowns of how this how, how this works. But do remember that during the... During, um, Zach Levine's restricted free agency. He signed an offer sheet with Sacramento. Yeah. And which, and I believe he did. And I believe when the Bulls match, he was actually in Sacramento because he he really wanted to be here. And the idea is like it's weirdly tricky with the Bulls right now. Like we don't, we haven't heard much about what ha- what's going on with the situation there. I assume he's happy just because they're winning. But like in the beginning of the season, he had a quote saying something along the lines, like basically someone asked him about like, what's he expecting for his next contract? What's he looking for in his next contract? And he said the war, he said he's looking for some respect. So there there's, might be something there with him in the front office and he might be looking for greener pastures. 
Now, are, are those greener pastures in Sacramento? Who knows? But like, there is a need for a guy like Zach Levine. And I've said the Kings have a roadmap. Now they don't have just straight up cap space to sign Zach Levine. Now, that's gonna be that's gonna be where uh, Monty's gonna have to work up some magic, uh, probably through some sort of sign and trade. But I sense something, and this is kind of my hell Mary hot take prediction: we, the Kings are gonna get Zach Levine this offseason. Ooh, <sighs> I don't know that. That sounds really far-fetched, in my opinion. I I can't imagine it now, but when it does happen, of course, I, I mean it did happen. But I will yeah, become, it, I will ascend to godhood. <laughs> we will build a statue of Owen in front of the King's Arena, just because he predicted that we got Zach Levine somehow. <laughs> because as of right now, I have no idea how that's gonna work out. Look, I'm looking at guys like Zach or John Collins. Like, it's hard to get up to that 30 million threshold for a trade. Yeah. Without including Harrison Barnes, it's ju- it's just really hard. But if you can get a sign and trade and just like you know use whatever cap space you can by trading off uh, Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, Alex Len, uh, aforementioned Rashawn Holmes, and if possible somehow keep like Harrison Barnes, which is which would be my goal. Yeah. Like, that's what I would try and do. Like, you might end up having to give up on uh, Davion, which would be very unfortunate. Might even have having to end up uh, giving up on TD. But to get a guy like Zach Levine, that's something you just have to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, would you be upset if we did uh, somehow give up Harrison Barnes? Yes, but I think you can find something on the market that's resembling. You know, he won't be as good as Harrison Barnes, but if you can get like a more, uh, I guess a less versatile three and D guy that can, the you know, a theoretical one anyway. So I, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. But like, if you can get a three and D, like three or four, like that probably solves the solves the problem. Well, I guess we'll have to see because, man, that's the, yeah, can't, can't imagine it until it happens. Yeah. So this will be my wild prediction. I was hoping for the off season to do this, but I mean, we just played the Bulls. I think it's, I think it's the right time to just let out this hot take. (laughs) Okay. That's very interesting. Okay. So after, okay, I got to clean my mouth a little bit and then we can move on to other topics. Uh, I just want to quickly just bring this up. Um, It was the the big thing over the weekend. Tom Brady unretires. I had said on an earlier episode, I'm not going to believe that he's retired until basically until he is just completely gone. Well, what I said was that uh, until he puts in the paperwork was, is when I believe it. And then I just felt, and then I just stopped paying attention to it. But yes, Tom Brady has unretired. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, congrats on him. It's just uh, I haven't been following too much on his unretirement, uh, so I don't know if he's still gonna still play with the Bucks, which I'm gonna assume so because that's where he left off uh, at. But you know, you know, congrats to him. I mean, it's. He's pretty much an automatic, uh, straight to a playoff type uh, player. Where uh, with the Bucks, so I mean, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Are the 49ers going to sign uh, Tom Brady? <laughs> I don't know about that. 
<laughs> now again like i said i haven't looked into it so i don't know how contracts and stuff work from <laughs> an unretirement so yeah it'll be pretty interesting to see uh i mean aaron Rodgers resigned if anyone cares about that uh 200 million 200 yeah, max i mean there was a uh, pretty much a uh, competition to see which <laughs> who uh could uh get the media up and riling between uh russell wilson and him at the at like a small moment but you know aaron Rodgers kind of won it in terms in a way yeah i mean the, i honestly i don't know what to comment i just wanted to bring up to the tom brady thing and if he's gonna sign with the niners because that's the only question i have because i don't i'm trying to get into football but i'm still learning but yes he is back and we'll see we'll see if he plays till he's 50. He's a, he doesn't seem to be able to stay away from the game for too long. And I get it. Like, honestly, like, you know, you know, Kobe, I'm pretty sure did not want to retire at the time, but he knew his time was coming. But like, I don't know. It seems like if, being a quarterback, like maybe you can last a little longer, possibly um, instead of like, you know, uh, as a basketball player. But, you know, good, good on him. He is a living legend and, you know, he can only, his, his legacy is solidified as at least from what I know, like he, he cannot ruin his legacy and he can only add to it at this point. Oh yeah. As long as he doesn't take major bumps, I think he should be fine. But, uh, I remember before we were watching the Chicago game, we were comparing, uh, you know, other, uh, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say unretirements, but you know, comebacks, if you will. Yeah, you said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, you said someone compared it to MJ's retirement. I call bullshit on that because MJ actually retired for two for two years. Oh yeah. What, like I think this was six weeks was the num- was the number I saw. <laughs> yeah. So this puts him more in the John Cena uh, retirement, um, where literally he gave an emotional farewell speech where he teared up, and like was basically saying he's gonna take a he's gonna take a long break. And lo and behold, he was back the next. He was back the next week to destroy the Nexus all by himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, some like you said, some people can't stay away from something they love, and Tom Brady can't stay away from throwing a touchdown. So, uh, by the way, I, I finally finished watching Peacemaker. We can talk about it offline. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but other than that, I mean, geez. I, I wonder what other records are still yet to be broken by Brady at this point. Shouldn't he hold most of them since he played for so long? You know, I he's mean, been fucking amazing. I mean, pretty much. I mean, he, he's going to like sustain most of those records for years to come. And lots of quarterbacks probably won't be able to break those unless you play up to Brady's age, which is like, what? How old is he now? 45? Yeah, let me look it up. I'm breezy. He is 44. Okay, so Who's 40. San Mateo. Oh. Oh yeah. I mean, he really wanted to be a Niner when he uh, was drafted, but you know, we didn't draft him. So, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but yeah, he will be 45 this year, which is ridiculous, and that's why what. I don't even want to say it's the maximum age of most NBA players. No, I don't think you can get to 45. No, I think like, I think Robert Parrish was like 42, I think was the oldest. Yeah. And, and like, how, he wasn't playing, I don't think by the end either. So. And how old was Kareem when he retired? 
I want to say 40, if I remember right. He was old when he retired. Yeah. But this is 45, Tom Brady, and still like, doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So the legend continues, and he will continue to break records. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're shifting from there. We're going to have to dive into some sad news. So today, um, Scott Hall has now passed away. Um, so apparently he had a blood clot and yeah. I think what ended up happening was they, I don't even know the term, like basically they released a blood clot and then it, it caused three heart attacks and he was in, uh, he was basically in intensive care and basically, uh, Kevin Nash put up a message saying that, you know, by the time like his, his family gets it together, they they were going to pull the plug and they did today. And, uh. Yes, he is now, he has died, I believe, at the age of 63, if I remember right. I had it up. But yes, um, ultimately, I, I'm kind of, I'm pretty sad that he has passed. He, he is a guy that I actually did like um, from, from kind of that era, even though I don't, I didn't watch WCW um, during that era. But like, I always thought his character was cool because I watched Scarface. And when I saw him say the word May, I mean, I was hooked. That, that was it. That, like, you know, I love I love Scarface, and then you see this <laughs> this guy basically <laughs> retcon it and copy it to wrestling. I thought I thought it was really cool at the time. Yeah, it was a pretty fun gimmick. But sadly for me, I don't I don't think I ever watched uh, Razor Ramon uh, during those times at all. I mean, I've heard the stories, but not you know, never was able to watch him and it's really too bad and to hear that uh he passed today geez so like he was always a wrestler that had been blacklisted from a lot of wwe history because like so i didn't i didn't start watching wrestling until around 05 so like i didn't i did not actually know about brock lesnar until i was way older because they wiped brock lesnar from the, from their history when they left yeah, or yeah. when he left scott yeah. hall was kind of the same way he was very much like very infamously fired in 2002 uh, from the plane ride from hell incident and they wwe wiped him from their memory and the only reason why i know about scott hall is from the uh fall of wcw dvd that the uh that the wwe created granted a very biased uh a very biased um dvd and like uh, documentary but like it introduced me to scott hall and he was you know he was revolutionary in you know creating the nwo and just he, he was a very good wrestler a very good talker you know and he was kind of kind of like the backbone of that of that um of that faction for much of the much of like you know the wcw's golden era and you know if you like if you look at like just documentaries he's in he's had just one of the most depressing lives like he will when he like he sh- like apparently he suffered from ptsd like when he was i think around like his 20s like he shot a guy in a bar and he basically like always has nightmares about it and he turned to you know just alcohol and like something like drugs to kind of numb out the pain like it got so bad that he they even did a storyline on air about his alcoholism and his drug issues like it was that bad and like there is a documentary that he did i believe in 2011 where he he comes out of a he comes out of a, a hospital and like he had to he had to do a wrestling show 
and he was just in no condition to even remotely be like in public and it is just one of the most depressing things just watching him just lay down like barely being able to stand barely being able to move and this was 2011 mind you like he, he turned his life around since then but it was a very depressing time and then like he met he met up with ddp and ddp like basically turned his life around and it was really great to actually see him come back on wwe television like he was in some nxt shows they you know he was inducted into the hall of fame and like it was real it was a really nice like you know um redemption story if you will and it's unfortunate that it's uh, come to an end now ah uh, gee yeah that i did not know about and uh probably watched some documentaries about him but man it, you just made it sound pretty depressing sadly. he's had a very sad life and it's a, it's an unfortunate thing it like it, it's a miracle that he got this far i'll just say and uh, like cr- all the credit in the world to ddp ddp is a great man he saved jake the snake roberts and he saved scott hall like, uh, he really did oh man but yeah, um, I mean, notable matches. A lot of people are talking about, you know, the ladder match. Like he, he, him and Shawn Michaels kind of revolutionized the ladder match. Like him and him and uh, Shawn Michaels, the the ladder match at uh, WrestleMania 10, I believe, is an is an icon. And one of the uh, surprising things, I, he was never a world champion. I honestly, I really thought he should have been a world champion at some point, but apparently he wasn't. But you know, definitely one of the best wrestlers uh, during that era. Hmm. Wait, was the WWE champion uh, there at the time? What do you mean? Or he, he was Intercontinental uh, champion. He was never world oh. champion, and apparently in WCW, never won a, never won the world championship there either. I was surprised. At all? Jeez. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I thought he won. What? Maybe he won the TNA title at some point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that I'm not sure. But, oh man, pro- we'll probably search it out later then. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I don't see a world championship uh, title. Oh, that's huh. Not that's well, at least not in WCW. He so he was he was Universal Heavyweight Champion for World Wrestling Council. I don't know what that is. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it's. It, I always thought he he seems like a guy like at, you know with his status as you know an absolute wrestling legend. Uh, again, revolutionized the. Uh, wrestling industry with the NWO um, just never was a world champion and he really should have won one and you know uh, again like rest in peace condolences to his family like today we've lost another wrestling legend it's unfortunate that a lot of these guys don't make it to 65 yeah it's uh, it's just too bad yeah okay well we don't want to end on that sad note so one good note that i meant to actually say uh during the basketball section so the uh it's come out that the reason why sabonis missed the utah jazz game uh he had a baby oh oh i did not know that (laughs) so yeah that's why that's why he had to miss that game due to personal reasons and yeah, congratulations to um, DeMontis, and uh, I don't know what the name of the baby is, but congratulations to him. Yeah, congrats to him. Oh, wow. Even though there wasn't any news about that, but I mean, you know, it's personal. It, he wants to keep it within the family, of course. So yeah, congrats to him. 
yeah so okay well that so we're gonna end it on that um positive note uh thank you guys for listening uh we'll definitely catch you guys back on who is the next game do you have the schedule up it is wednesday against the bucks oh boy oh jesus they just they just well they didn't whack the utah jazz but i'm pretty sure they beat the utah jazz. yep they beat the utah jazz just now and uh for those of you that need a little extra positive vibe going away um the lakers lost again uh, to the raptors. they got punked by the raptors in the first half and uh ultimately it was a relatively close game um but yeah lakers like it's too bad that the kings have been have just not been winning because jason anderson put up a stat this was like last like saturday but like he put up a stat and it was something along the lines of lakers have have lost i think seven of ten uh new orleans lost three in a row uh spurs have lost six of nine and the kings have lost have had the kings just not been absolute dog shit during this during this run they easily could have been in the play-in race but it's probably done at this point and uh it's, but it's just funny to watch the lakers just fall flat on their face oh yeah oh man yeah well we'll see where that goes because i mean do you think they win the playing tournament I guess I, the pe- I I think they will. People are saying that they like they don't even trust them to beat the Pelicans. Granted, if Zion is back, that might change some things. But it's it's LeBron, right? Yeah, I gotta tr- in, in LeBron in LeBron we trust. Yeah, that, that's just me. Oh yeah, I mean if Zion come back, geez, what shape is he in? Yeah, well, well, I, well he actually looks great now. He actually looks pretty fit. Like, oh he, really? He had like a really like. You know, hey, you know, say it this way, but like he, he had a picture and like he had an amazing looking ass. Like he's just like all fit and just like not skinny legs, but like muscular legs and his chin. Like remember the uh, remember the Mountain Dew commercial that he did where he looked. You know, I hate to say it, but he looked he looked fat in that. Picture. <laughs> like his chin is like chiseled like now. Oh, and he's got he's got the Vucevic chin all of a sudden. yeah he's looking fit you never know like that changes and granted their defense is going to take a nose top when he comes back but like it's it's not it's not out of the i wouldn't it's not crazy to say that like you know the the lakers might lose the pelicans but it is lebron i just i can't bet against lebron yeah that's true and we'll have to see because who knows that uh, they'll be playing against the Pelicans or whatnot because it's still a pretty tight race between 10 and a what? Eh, one and a half games. So we'll see. No, Portland's going to keep dropping. They're trying to drop games, but their players refuse to lose. So, ah, I go. see. Okay, real, real quick. Um, so, you know, players have not, you know, usually are not good GMs. Do you think Russ, do you think LeBron pick, you know, trading for Russ, is it a worse move than Michael Jordan drafting Kwame Brown? A worse move? Like as a GM. Ah. Ah, man. I would say so. But then again, I mean, Kwame had all the hype going around and, you know, he didn't know what to expect from him in the NBA uh, setting, but I mean, we know Westbrook. 
there was other trade offers that <laughs> I mean, cough cough the Kings that they could have done, but yeah, they settled for Westbrook. So I, I wouldn't say they settled for Westbrook; they made the wrong choice. Yeah, <laughs> but like I'll I'll say this: yeah, I, yeah, I think the I think the GM picking Russ is the worst move, just because you knew what Westbrook was, and I get the idea you can get a guy to change, but like you know, fans blaming Westbrook for for this, and he is the scape he is very much is the scapegoat for what has been a shitty season, and everyone is culpable, including LeBron, like. Like at a certain point, you can't get mad at a guy for who he is. You knew what Russ was. He, he was not a spacer. He makes shitty decisions, and he and you know he needs the ball to be effective. And he doesn't play defense. This is nothing new. None of this is new. And it's unfortunate that everyone's kind of scapegoating him for the season. And he rightfully, to a certain degree, deserves it. But everyone deserves blame. And you know LeBron should not be bulletproof from this because this was his fuck up. Oh yeah, and you know you think he'll ever uh, what you call it recover from this in the off season? No. <laughs> like they they might they might just end up waving Westbrook, but that doesn't, that doesn't solve anything. Oh no, it does not. They like, still have to... like who wants to trade for him? Yeah, <laughs> no one. It's no. yeah, his contract is ridiculous. That's yeah. So. Who knows what's gonna happen with the Lakers in the next couple of years? No, I mean, I I don't. I mean, granted, like I think they can turn around. They have they. I would assume I, they don't have the pieces to turn around. Never, I I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing. So it's it, it's just funny to me. And then, you know, I'll 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 cake for Russell a little bit. I think I think the internet's been a little bit. I think Lakers fans have been too harsh on him, honestly, to a certain degree. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but uh, you know, it's not all his fault. Oh no. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, uh, let's end this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys back on Wednesday night or Thursday afternoon or morning um, after the. Bucks I, I forgot the game. Bucks game. Bucks game. On Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> okay. I assume Giannis is going to play. Okay. We'll see you guys uh, soon. Okay, I'll see you guys later.